So you have to start with one, two, or three women. If you treat them like gold, they will tell everybody, they will bring more friends, they'll become more invested in the game and the lifestyle. In fact, we just did a survey of our membership and the second reason that women come to Women on Course is to increase their social and business networks. I would have guessed it would have been organized events. The number one reason was obvious. We're coming here to learn the game or to meet other women golfers. But that connecting with each other is probably the core of why people do this. And because you're doing an activity, it's very different than a networking event where you shake hands, hand a business card, what do you do? You're actually watching someone try something or do something that's a little humbling. And you kind of break down those walls a little faster and get to know someone quicker. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us and please subscribe, rate, and review the show on either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I want to take a moment to thank our season four sponsor partners. We are excited and proud to have Golf Tech as our title sponsor, along with supporting sponsors Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks. Without their generous support, the Mod Golf Podcast wouldn't be able to bring you these unique golf innovation stories. Golf Tech is pleased to offer Mod Golf Podcast listeners $50 off a swing evaluation and tech fit custom club fitting. So go to www.golftech.com slash modgolf to book at one of Golf Tech's improvement centers located near you. That's golftech.com slash modgolf to begin your golf improvement journey. All right, so let's get to this week's show. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Donna Hoffman, who is the founder of Women on Course. Donna's thought leadership has taken down barriers for new female golfers to enter the game and has redefined the golf experience to encompass travel, food, wine, and style. Women on Course is a dynamic national community of diverse and influential women, built on interactive lifestyle and work style events that create meaningful connections. Along with her entrepreneurial endeavors, Donna is a much sought after corporate event speaker and was recently named by the LPGA as one of the 22 women disruptors who are spearheading a revolution in golf. Wow, Donna, you got a lot going on there. So Donna, good morning and thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's that's quite an introduction. That it, well, you are quite the accomplished woman and you, I think you're just getting started here. You really fit the bill here on what we like to embrace and the stories we love to tell on the Mod Golf Podcast. As I did say at the beginning there, influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators, I, I think you fit in all four buckets here. And I'm excited to talk about how you do just that, Donna. So to get us started, can you please tell us a bit about yourself and then share the story that you shared with me a couple of weeks ago of how and when you're introduced to the game of golf? Okay, well, I had no interest in golf whatsoever. It was never on my radar. I like to be outdoors and do active things, but I started my career as a CPA. I'm a numbers person, and when I heard people would go out and play golf, it just flew right by me. So fast forward through my corporate journey, I found out that I didn't really fit in a corporate environment, didn't really follow the rules and red tape and going up the hierarchy and a lot of meetings. And I had an opportunity to break out of corporate America. I worked for a big public accounting firm to work on a feature film as an accountant. And that sort of transitioned me from 
doing something pretty corporate to something a little more lifestyle oriented. And through that movie that I was working on, we started a film company with my brother. We did that for 18 years and landed a sale. We sold the company to a big defense contractor here in Virginia. And while I was working there, I had a three-year contract. I discovered the game of golf. Right. And the way I discovered golf was that I found myself single with three children. I was dating and my former husband was an avid golfer and he was the type that would leave on Saturday morning at eight o'clock and come home eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Kind of leave me all day. I was a golf widow. And when I was out there dating, I thought, you know what? I'm not doing this again. So as I met people, I was sort of like, I have three children and I do not like golf. So if those bother you, you can just go in your merry way. Right. Well, one gentleman scratched his head. His life was all about work and golf on the weekends. And he thought to himself, if I'm going to have a relationship with this woman, I have got to get her to like the game. <laughs> so that's sort of how his mission started. And he presented it in a very different way than I had been presented to it before. He took me out to a beautiful club and rather than shove a golf club in my hand that was his, a man's club, I had a set of women's clubs waiting for me. I had a golf pro standing there, put the ball on a little tee and they told me to swing. And sure enough, the ball went up in the air and I became really hooked on the game and and hooked on him. So that onboarding, I'll give him credit. He did it the right way there. Rather than the traditional way, the unfortunate traditional way, the intimidating way is, oh, let's go and you've never swung a club before and let's go to the first tee while we have all these other people watching and good luck with all that, which is a very negative experience. It, was, it sounds like the onboarding process there was the right way to get you inspired to be introduced to the game. Let's take the next step here, Donna. So I'd love to hear how the, after that first swing and getting the ball up in the air, how that led to your aha moment and the pain points that you then saw as an entrepreneur that led to the creation of Women on Course. Good question. Well, I figured, I forgot to mention to you, there was a glass of Chardonnay waiting for me after that first swing. Ah, there you go. That, that sealed the deal. <laughs> no, but I was in a point in my career where I had been working 25 years and I was coming off this video production assignment. And I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I really love to travel. I just love the whole idea of being outside at this beautiful golf setting. So my last six months, I proposed to the company, how about if I do a television show about golf, about the lifestyle, but target it towards women to show them if they knew all the elements that were included in this game, it's not about writing a score and playing 18 holes. If they knew everything involved with this, I think everybody would want to jump on board and be a part of this. So lo and behold, they gave me a budget and they said, why don't you create a show? We'll try to get it out there. So I went out to Arizona. I went to the Four Seasons Resort and we had a section on the food and a section on the clothes that people wear and the whole connecting. And we interviewed business leaders in how they use golf to expand their business circles. And that show ended up on AOL. This is back in the early 2000s when video was just coming about on the internet. Right. They put it on their sports channel and we had more hits than the PGA highlights on Monday. Wow. Yeah. So we had a website and we had over the course of six months, about 30,000 hits on things like, where do I get those cute golf shoes? How do I meet those women that play golf? I never see them. And it was just bombarded with all these questions and all these needs. So what I did is I said, you know what, let's just have a happy hour, bring some women together and brainstorm because there was so much interest. 
And one thing led to another. I was introduced to a sports marketing person who said, we can take this idea and turn these happy hours that you did, one happy hour, into a national program. Okay, well, I didn't realize that you had the, the television show that sounds like Donna. That was really your validator to realize there was a market, there was opportunity, there was demand for this. Is it fair to say that you kind of stumbled upon this and saw that opportunity through all the good work you actually did through the television show? Absolutely. My vision was that I would produce 12 shows a year and I would travel to a different golf resort each month, come back and edit the show and do the next one. That was my plan. My plan was not to do events. I had never done event planning before, really didn't know how to do it. I figured this is no different than producing a television show. I can just produce an event. Right. And what happened was we to monetize this as a business, we ended up going around the country and talking to corporations that wanted to reach these women. And who are these women? We found just by using the word golf, we were attracting women of a certain age bracket, a certain level in their corporate career, and a certain income level. So we had the interest of a major financial services company. They were looking for their women to meet our women, and they backed the program, which allowed us to start nationally in about 30 markets. Wow. So that was right out of the gate there. You kind of scaled from, you didn't just start with, as they say, a, a minimum viable product, just working it out in one area. Sounds like you scaled this thing up fairly quickly then. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. In fact, I was actually at the end of the year with this company trying to figure out how we were going to monetize it. I was on vacation in Mexico and I get a call from this company that we had met 10 months earlier. And they said, you know, that sponsorship you presented, we're very interested. We have some end of the year money. Can you get us an invoice tomorrow? So I'm racing around this resort trying to find the business center to create an invoice and send it to them. They had never met me in person. They had never been to an event, but they really liked the concept of reaching women through the golf lifestyle. Right. And that's what's that women on course in motion. Gotcha. I just love this. You as an entrepreneur, that encapsulates the essence of what entrepreneurship is. The fact you didn't need to figure everything out. There were things you didn't know. You had to unlearn certain things and you just jumped off the cliff and just said, hey, we're going to do this. I heard this great expression a while ago. It's like, what you need to do as an entrepreneur is if you're in a plane, you need to jump out of the plane and design the parachute on the way down. Yeah, that sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. And, and they also asked too, they asked about the price. They said, but can you come down on the price a little bit? Right. I had no idea what the value of this was. I said, sure. I say I'm the worst salesperson, but because I'm the worst salesperson, I actually got the first sale. <laughs> so obviously your price point was good enough that it allowed you to have a second sale. Let's continue on here, Donna. So our audience understands, so our listeners, if they're not familiar with Women on Course, can you describe for us now, kind of moving forward to 2018, what you actually have created and what the services and experiences that Women on Course offer? Yeah, so we started this with happy hours. And the idea was to bring women who are interested in golf together to meet and then go out there in the world and do whatever you do. Well, what I quickly found out, there were two types of women. There was a group that I'd like to learn how to play, or I've taken a couple lessons, but I have no idea where to go or what to do. It's really intimidating. Right. That's one group. The other group is I love to play golf, but I don't know other women to play with. So there's two totally different groups who have two totally different needs. So being the person that always says, yes, we can accommodate you, we started creating events beyond the 19th hole, beyond the happy hour. Because the lady said, Donna, we don't want to go meet and play golf and take lessons. We want you to organize it for us. We don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I came up with a format that everybody could come and attend and feel comfortable. Right. We call that our signature golf experience. And at this event, 
it worked out really well because there are private clubs where no one's using the course at three or four o'clock. All the members have played and they're gone. So what we did is we divided the ladies into groups. The I've never played. They take a lesson. I love to play. They go out and play. And then the in-between, who's a half lesson and half golf course play. And that all takes two and a half hours. And at the end, everyone comes together at the 19th Hold a Network. So we've grown from those events to doing over a thousand a year. We found that women don't have sometimes all day to play golf. So we've broken it into clinics, which we call sip and swing. We have nine and wines. We do clinic and four holes. So we have all these different formats all over the place to satisfy the various needs of the women. Now, looking at your website, I see that you are in 14 locations across the United States here, maybe even more now. So do you use those as your grassroots launch pads to cover the entire nation? And do you have partners and ambassadors, people that are in each one of these locations to like boots on the ground to make these things happen? Or how does the organization work within Women on Course? Can you let us know about that? Yes. So the way it works is we're not a chapter-based organization. Oh, and by the way, people decided that they wanted to join Women on Course. And at first I was like, you don't join, you just go to these events. Women are so interested in being part of a community, part of something bigger. Yes. So we created a membership so they could join and belong. And that has really helped us grow and reach more people. Everybody wants their friends to be involved. And corporations, I probably get two or three calls a week from companies that have internal women's groups. Hey, we realize that decision makers are on the golf course. We'd love to do something with you to help our women feel comfortable in the environment. We're not here to make people LPGA players. We just want them to be able to say yes to an invitation. So in each market, we have some members that are really passionate about women on course and really passionate about bringing women in the game. So they help us identify locations where there's great instructors or courses that really want women there to play. I love this expression that you have coined. It's on your website talking about the power of shared experiences. And it sounds like that sense of community and your ability to help shape those shared experiences and help facilitate those is really the engine that drives what you do here with Women on Course. And you did start off with 2005, if I understand this correctly, and really social media was non-existent at that time. So having that platform of social media and the community building opportunities there, this must really turbocharge your ability to amplify your signal and bring people together even more. Are you finding now that you're really harnessing that ability to amplify those shared experiences with your community? Yeah. I mean, when I started, I had 14 markets. I had to start filling events. So I used my telephone and email. Those are my two tools. Yeah. Now that there's Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. So now there are more tools to use. So we're just doing that. But still, a lot of this is reaching out to individuals, creating a relationship on the phone. I answer the phone and talk to someone for 20 minutes. And when they can really touch you and the customer service and the handholding that we provide, that's not provided by the golf industry. No. Even if we send 16 people to play nine holes, the guys will check them in. They'll go out on the course. But we always assign a member as an ambassador just to introduce everybody to each other. Just hello, how are you? What do you do? Because that is oftentimes missed. And I've seen that with golf clinics. Everybody's there and then they all go home. So the socializing and the networking is critical to a lot of the women's enjoyment. In fact, we just did a survey of our membership. And the second reason that women come to Women on Course is to increase their social and business networks. I would have guessed it would have been organized events, 
the number one reason was obvious. We're coming here to learn the game or to meet other women golfers. But that connecting with each other is probably the core of why people do this. And because you're doing an activity, it's very different than a networking event where you shake hands, hand a business card, what do you do? You're actually watching someone try something or do something that's a little humbling. And you kind of break down those walls a little faster and get to know someone quicker. Yes. I find this interesting that as an entrepreneur, having the experience through what you've actually done with the program that you created, it did reveal itself just even asking the question or just hearing the answers from women of what is it that you really like? What is it that you want to do? And I think for so many years, and some continue to do this, that it's all golf first, and then everything else will follow. And you flip that around because you're asking the right questions and getting the answer time and time again of what it is that appealed to them as far as, as you said, that connectivity, as far as the social aspect that you, you come for the connectivity, you come for the shared experiences, and you stay for the golf. <laughs> so golf is in fact the tail. Let's not wagging the dog in this case here. And so I, I wanted to ask you this also, Donna, that as an entrepreneur, you cannot do everything by yourself here, that the power of partnerships is so important. And you did touch on some of the partnerships already that you have, but I did notice that one of your partners that you have is Tina Fox, the founder of Women in Business, who's located in the DC area. Can you tell us about that relationship you have with Tina and perhaps some other partnerships that are helping to fuel your growth and to help you scale up? Yeah. And as I was doing this myself and relaunching the brand, I had worked with major companies in the past and major groups. What I realized, this is such a people business and it is such a inspirational business. I, I went to an event that Tina hosted. It was a business networking event, but it was very different. The ladies sat around tables of six and there was a 10 minute inspirational talk about a topic. And let's say the topic was confidence. And then the women would get in small groups and start asking questions. And there was a little workshop. And I said to myself, this is very similar to what we do in golf. People get in little groups and they play or take a lesson. And the shared experience is a lot deeper. And especially for people who are not natural networkers, the networking is sort of a secondary thing. And Tina is a very outgoing person. Her background's in sales at a Fortune 100 company. So as we started talking, she wanted to grow these business events. We're calling them success series. She wanted to scale them up nationally. I had a national platform and my women were looking for more ways to connect and 80% of the women that we have are working, either full-time or part-time. So this was a way for us to bring more of that work style and work connections in. And for Tina, their ladies were meeting every quarter. They wanted more relaxed atmosphere to further connect. So it was a great partnership. And we started last year launching both Lifestyle, which is the golf, fashion, and wine, with the success series events. And we started in Washington and we were launching in Boston and Philadelphia this year. And we're hoping to go into more cities so we can offer the full, well-rounded program. Sounds like there's some natural synergy just building there between what both you and Tina are creating there, that the overlap and the crossover is very powerful. And that's what women want. And as you evolve and you iterate to continue in the future with Women on Course. I want to talk about other partnerships too, or at least other validators in the market. I have to say, I think it's very exciting for women's golf, and I'm sure you see this too, Donna, the fact that the trajectory is only going up, that there's more and more women getting involved with golf. And through other initiatives like Women's Golf Day with Alyssa Gaudet, I'm assuming you know Alyssa. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
And I noticed on your website, actually, who we had on the show last week, which is Tammy and Diana, the co-founders of Tinona, with what they are doing in the women's golf fashion and apparel sector. So what excites you the most in the future here now that it's really this tipping point of ready to unlock this potential within women's golf, and we're just scratching the surface here. So now that you've been at it for many years, you must be quite excited to see now that it's ready to explode and really connect with women of all ages and all demographics to get involved with the game. So what are your thoughts on that as far as the, the future of women's golf? Yeah, what's really exciting for me is breaking down the myth that golf is a game that's played from hole one to hole 18. Right. And getting and reaching women in large numbers and explaining that and showing them that is what's exciting. And you do have smaller companies like Canona that they've created a wonderful apparel line. And their issue is, how do I reach the women golfers? I'm not large enough to be in Dick's Sporting Goods or in the PGA Superstore. So what I'm really excited about is connecting brands that are smaller or undiscovered and connecting them with the audience and doing it in this unconventional way through the events and through our website. We've been working with major corporations that I've had calls from, Grant Thornton, we're working with Charles Schwab, Ernst & Young, Bank of America. These companies, it's women reaching out and saying, we're curious about golf. We know a lot of people are doing it. Can you help us explain what it is about golf that's valuable to us? No one really knows how to use it or leverage it in their daily life. It's not about running out there and playing five times a month. You can just waltz in and waltz out. So educating women and corporations about how to leverage the game with or without swinging a golf club and how good do you really have to be to get out there on a golf course? Most people think I have to be a certain level of proficiency and skill. And I'm more talking about, it's more about knowledge and knowing the background, the etiquette, what's involved so you are professional when you show up. It's amazing how in the golf industry, when I started, nobody would speak to me. Women, they were like, yeah, we don't need them. <laughs> now courses are calling me. I cannot even tell you in the beginning, just trying to line up a course or a golf pro to do a lesson for six women. It was not important to them. Had golf courses where those six women have turned into 180 women. Yeah. So you have to start with one, two, or three women. If you treat them like gold, they will tell everybody. They will bring more friends. They'll become more invested in the game and the lifestyle. Right. So it's a real hard slog trying to do this course by course, but I'm one of those people, I just keep moving forward. And as long as there's a glimmer of something out there that this is going to go big, I'll just keep going and following every lead and speaking to people and see what turns up. I love these entrepreneurial nuggets that you're giving us here as far as your own experience and the qualities that it takes to succeed. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, both in the golf space and also all the all these other startup spaces and mentor them. I have entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs ask me all the time, well, what is that secret sauce? And, and it's not glamorous. And you've touched on this, the fact you just have to be resilient. You need to be tenacious and you just need to stick with this. And you have to believe, you have to be passionate about it, but you also have to believe and understand and continue on and just have that hustle and that grit. And you you certainly have that. And I wanted to touch on, on this a little bit as far as entrepreneurship and get your thoughts on this, Donna. This is a, a not so fun fact, but less than 
than 5% of founders of startups are women. And the funding that is allocated is even less than that percentage wise. That is changing now with certain groups that are helping facilitate that. Is there any advice that you can give for our listeners that there's any female entrepreneurs that are looking to start, but they don't quite know how? Are there, are there any tips that you can provide? Any cautionary tales or some comments of entrepreneurship and what you've been through so far? Yeah. You know, I've had now two successful companies that have made it past 10 years, which is rare. And the first thing I would say is people that get all hung up on their great idea and they have never really kicked the tires to see if there's a market for it. So the first thing I would say is see what people need. Who are your customers and what do they need and what do they want? I never, believe it or not, I went to business school, very nice, good school. I never wrote a business plan, but I created Women on Course following the need of what people were asking me for. And when I started my film company, we made a feature film and we were going to make lots of feature films. Well, nobody was asking for feature films, but I live here in Washington and people were asking, the government wanted films with actors. So I said, all right, well, let's bid on a government film. I didn't set out to be a government filmmaker, but we made quite a lot of money in that space because that's where the need was. So I'd say start with the need and you create your business around those customers. And those customers have been my biggest cheerleaders and supporters. When I relaunched Women on Course, I didn't have any funding or loans. I didn't want to get a loan. I didn't want to overspend or overborrow. And the members joined, they joined and they believed in the idea. So they basically put the money up to get the website up and to get it started. So it was a lot of sweat equity, but I'd say start with the customer need, not your own great idea. Or if you have a great idea, kick it around, test it, talk to a lot of people and see if people even are interested in it. I think that's a great piece of advice right there. I'm smiling here because just last week I was involved with an event called Startup Weekend, which over two and a half days, these teams start with nothing. And by the end of it, they're actually pitching in front of a jury. And, and quite often on the first day, I see it all the time that they're working on their logo. They're working on the name of their brand and all these other things. And in a way, they're kind of afraid to test their idea. Oh, yeah. They're creating in their mind their beautiful baby. And they don't want anybody to tell them that they're baby is ugly and they need to change the way their baby looks. <laughs> but you learn very early on through your experience that you just need to start asking people of what they think of your baby. And if they don't like it, then tweak the way your baby looks and what your baby offers to define that audience. I did not invent this saying, but the notion of get out of the building, start talking to people rather than just sit there and keep building this thing. And the worst thing you want to do is create a solution when there's not a problem. <laughs> create a beautiful solution that nobody wants and nobody needs. So thank you for that tip and that piece of advice. I think that is so crucial and so important for entrepreneurs very quickly to do just that. Right. Let's switch a little bit here, Donald. I want to talk about the events that you do, like the larger scale events that you actually do with travel. And I noticed that you've got some upcoming events next year in Mexico and Lake Tahoe. And one, obviously you're doing something right here because you have one in October coming up in Tucson, Arizona. Arizona that is sold out. So can you tell our listeners a bit about the travel events that you do through Women on Course? Yeah, getting back to the beginning where I love to travel, that's one of the big carrots that got me into the game. When I first took that first golf lesson, my second lesson, we actually flew out to Arizona on a golf trip. So travel is really invigorating to me. So I started with a trip and 30 people signed up and we, again, gave them little gifts at each point in the way and we gave them a lot of flexibility and people met and had such a great time. 
So the trips are the creme de la creme of women on course. People come from all over the country. A lot of women come by themselves, which is surprising. I would never do that myself, but they have money. They have time. They have stressful jobs and they want to go on a golf vacation. They don't have people to go with. I would say more than half of our women are married or in relationships. They like to get away from their life and just take a pure two or three day vacation. So we, again, facilitate people meeting and connecting right off the bat. We will scramble everybody up. Not only do they play a scramble, but we mix up pairs of people that come together. We're always picking four-star and five-star resort properties, so it's very nice and comfortable. And I tested this spring, we actually had something at Jekyll Island, Georgia, and it was about an hour from the airport and it was a little out of the way. And when I signed the contract, I said, I don't know about this. I don't know if anybody's going to go here. But literally that was our largest event to date. We had 90 women show up because I think they know our brand. They know our trips. They know we're going to take great care of them, that women are just signing up the minute we announce a trip and we do them about a year out, if not more, they're just signing up because they just love the trips and it's very invigorating. The women who attend make this so special. They're so outgoing, they're so curious, they're so interested in meeting others and they're very supportive. Uh -huh. And I think people just love that positive environment for a couple days. And I'm assuming you curate the entire experience. So it's not just on the golf course, but in this case, I guess it would be women off course also just between the hospitality and all the other elements, all those other experiential touch points that you have across that. So I'm assuming then you've already lined up where you would have dinner and all your meals and all those other opportunities for shared experiences. Yes, we do some meals and receptions as a group. Some people can go on their own. I'm always cognizant of the different skill levels. There are people who are very good golfers. They want to play and keep score. So I'll group them together. They're the people that are a little more, what scorecard? They don't want a scorecard. So I'll put them together. Right. We've had women that show up that have never played golf before. So we might do for them a special option of a clinic. And we're starting to get more into, for example, our Cabo trip. We're going to have a day where we're calling it the Cabo experience. So you can play golf one day and the second day you can take the experience where we'll do something local, maybe go deep sea fishing or go to lunch and shopping, but we'll do something in the area. So we give a lot of free time with this. This is not a corporate structured meeting or conference. This is people's vacation. But again, we do have a lot of people that are in business that would like to meet for business. So we're thinking how we might put a module in there for people who are looking to do that as well. I have to keep up with this. I might have to do four or five trips a year just to keep up with the demand. Again, it's all demand driven. Right. And right now you're doing two or three a year? Is that what you mentioned? Yeah. Next year we have three. They keep asking to go to Scotland. I don't know if I'm ready to do that with 70 or 80 people. It's <laughs> We're not in the small scale. We, we don't do little trips. These are 60, 70, 80. So it's large enough that you can meet different people, but it's small enough that you can get a lot of attention. There's value in scarcity to have fewer events, but I guess that's a nice problem to have there, Donna. The fact that you have the demand that maybe you could do six, eight, 10, 12 events a year, but it sounds like the time and the effort you put into the thoughtfulness of curating these that you certainly do not want to erode the quality of the experience just by scaling them up. Yeah. I guess that's a nice problem to have, but it sounds like you love challenges. So that's a nut that you're probably willing to crack down the road. 
Yeah. And we, we also bring in these partnerships for Tucson. We are bringing in apparel brands. We're bringing in a fabulous wine. It's a smaller wine company that's coming in. So they're going to be there the whole weekend and people really get to know the brands of these companies and they get to experience it and meet the people behind it. So that adds another level of exclusivity that they're going to get to meet some brands and learn about products and things that they wouldn't normally get to find. Gotcha. So let's talk about the future. It sounds like you're always looking forward. It sounds like you're one of those entrepreneurs that loves what exists, but really what gets you out of bed in the morning is imagining what could be in the future. So for you and with Women on Course or any other entrepreneurial endeavors that may be in the back of your mind that you're willing to share with us right now, where do you see the future for you and women's golf being five, 10, even 20 years from now? Oh, Donna. Well, I'd love to have a little more resources so I can grow. <laughs> yeah. I like to scale it with what I can accomplish and accomplish well. And again, that's another tip for entrepreneurs. Don't go so big that you can't take care of what you already have because then the whole thing implodes. Yes. Grow as you have resources. So my number one priority for next year is to find some larger partners and sponsors so that we can do more of these local signature events and reach more people. And once I'm able to do that, to bring on some staff to manage the day-to-day. So what I'd really like to work on is, like you said, the new things. What are people asking for next? Do we develop a Women on Course app? I'd love to bring some of our video production back into Women on Course. I have a product called Fast Track to the First Tee. And it's an online nine-step process for a non-golfer to go through these nine steps to become what I call a course-ready golfer. So it's all written out. It's all interactive online. But I'd like to really take that in a bigger way, that product, and work with associations or corporations and really get that in the hands of women because that will drastically reduce the intimidation to go out and try it. This information is not rocket science. It's all out there on the web. But I've organized it in a fun way that speaks to them. They can identify. And it really gives them confidence to pick it up and try this game. Now, I'm really curious here, the fact you have deep experience, in not only what you've created with shared experiences through Women on Course, but also, as you touched on, with your filmmaking experience. So it seems to me like it might be a natural fit to combine those two experiential superpowers that you have with the emergence of things like Instagram TV. And of course, with having a YouTube channel, is there a possibility anytime soon we will see Women on Course TV? Yeah, the Women on Course channel would love to do. It's just a matter of time and resources. And back to what you said about people working on their logo and you got to keep the business going. So if I could devote more time to the video and the the production of the Women on Course TV channel, I've got to get the 1,000 events taken care of and make sure that's in good hands. But that would be the thing I would like to gravitate towards. More trips, more exotic trips and using the power of video and social media would be where I'd like to expand because then we can reach so many more people. We have right now an invested database of about 20,000 ladies that we communicate with regularly. I'd like to see that be 20 million. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have this feeling, Donna, that it's not a matter of if you actually expand, it's a matter of when, and you bring all those other things together here. So before we finish up here, Donna, could you, for our listeners, can you let them know where they can learn more about Women on Course and also share your social media handles also, please? Sure. So we have a website. It's triple W. I like how you said that. Triple W, women with an E, womenoncourse.com. 
And there we have an event tab where you can see all our events. We have a travel page and a membership page, and you can learn about which markets we're in. And we do get requests for people that would like us to be in more markets. So if anyone out there is interested in being involved as a member market leader to help start a market, I'd love to hear from you. We're pretty active on Twitter and the handle is at women underscore OC for on course. And our Facebook is just women on course. And Instagram is also at women underscore OC. There you go. Well, I will, of course, include all of those links in our show notes so our listeners can easily find those rather than having to frantically write them down while they're listening to our voices here. This has been a real pleasure having you on today. And I'm very proud to say of the 12 episodes we've done in our season four, we're just finishing up here, that we've actually met our goal. We set a target to have at least half of our episodes featuring women entrepreneurs and women innovators. And you are number six for this season, Donna. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your hectic schedule to allow us to reach that goal. So that's something we're very proud of. And we're hoping to continue that on in season five and beyond. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. It's been my pleasure. So Donna Hoffman, founder of Women on Course. I just have to say thank you very much. And I look forward to talking to you very, very soon. And all the best of luck with your upcoming endeavors. And I've got a feeling, Donna, that our conversation won't end here, that I look forward to having you on maybe a year, maybe a two years from now to hear all the great things that you're doing with Women on Course and your entrepreneurial endeavors. So once again, thank you very much for joining me today. Okay. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Women on Course founder and president Donna Hoffman. Earlier this past week, I had the opportunity to speak at the PGA show in Las Vegas about innovation and entrepreneurship in the golf industry. I shared case studies of businesses and organizations from previous episodes that have unlocked new golf customers by creating new products and experiences rather than fiercely competing in saturated markets. This business philosophy known as Blue Ocean Strategy that addresses industry pain points to provide customers with a leap in value is exactly what Donna is creating with Women on Course. I'll be talking more about Blue Ocean Strategy Golf Industry Success Stories in Season 5, which will provide the framework, inspiration, and tools for you to test, validate, and build your golf innovation ideas. Before we go, I want to thank our Season 4 sponsor partners. We are proud to have Golf Tech as our title sponsor, along with supporting sponsors Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks. Without their generous support, the Mod Golf Podcast wouldn't be able to bring you these unique golf innovation stories. Golf Tech is exclusively offering our Mod Golf Podcast listeners $50 off both swing valuation and tech fit custom club fitting. Go to golftech.com slash modgolf to book at one of over 200 Golf Tech Improvement Centers located near you. That's golftech.com slash modgolf to begin your golf improvement journey. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more of our golf innovation stories on previous episodes at www.mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Join us next week for our final episode of Season 4, when I bring you the best golf innovation and entrepreneurship stories for my three days at the PGA Show Fashion and Demo Experience. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.